The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the fourth Doctor story, The Face of Evil. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt or phone case or whatever else you can plaster that image on uh, by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. It's a great image uh, that we had done for us, and uh, you definitely want to check it out. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Uh, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called Pray Station Portable. It's a daily prayer uh, podcast, and you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP. And finally, I want you to stick around to the very end because we have more fantastic listener feedback that we want to share with you. And uh, so stick around to the end for that. But in the meantime, we're going to be discussing the face of evil. And Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in this episode? This week, the fourth doctor arrives alone on a planet that he's been to before, only he doesn't remember it. He made quite an impression when he was here before, and the natives are convinced that he is the evil one. They've even carved his face into the side of a mountain, so they all know what he looks like. The planet is in our future, and it was settled by a human colony ship, but the ship had a malfunctioning computer core when the doctor was here before. He tried to fix the computer by linking his brain to it, but he didn't realize that he left an imprint of his own personality on the computer. After he left, the split-minded computer started calling itself Zoannan and pretending to be a deity. It then started a breeding experiment with the human colonists and divided them into two groups, reflecting its own dual personality. The survey team became the savage tribe of the Seva team, and the technicians became the intellectual and psychic people of Tesh. Zoannan pitted them against each other to speed up the evolutionary process to turn them into supermen. When the doctor shows up again, he meets new companion Leela, who is one of the Seva team. And things start going badly when the doctor tries to fix the computer. He's a threat to its identity, and it gets so desperate that it decides to blow itself and half of the planet up. It also mind controls the Tesh and the Seva team into attacking the doctor. But the former Seva team high priest of Zoannan is convinced that his god has betrayed him. And the high priest is now psychotic, making him immune to mind control, one of the few benefits of being psychotic. Uh, he attacks Zoannan, breaking his hold on the Tesh and the Seva team. This allows the doctor to remove his personality print from the computer and restore Zoannan to sanity. The Doctor then leaves the Tesh and the Seva team to form a new society, but Leela insists on coming with the Doctor and causes the TARDIS to take off before he can stop her. The end. <laughs> so, uh, the, the the introduction of Leela in, in this one. And uh, so, before we get into it, overall first impressions, Father Corey? I mean, let, let's be honest, this whole episode exists for Leela. I mean, that's that's what this episode is for. That's why they, they made it. And I mean, obviously, it, it is her introduction as a companion. It, it, you know, it's, it's one of those I've always kind of enjoyed because it's got a lot of the fourth doctor camp, you know, that he's known for. Very much mm -hmm. they played it up on this, especially his interactions with Leela. 
you know, they showed early on that she's much smarter than you would think just because of her, you know, being of the primitive tribe and, and all that. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah, like I said, it's one I've always kind of enjoyed just because of the camp, you know, the interaction, we see the interact, it sets the interaction between Leela and the doctor so well that goes on throughout her time as a companion. Mm. How about you, Jimmy? I enjoyed this. I th- I thought it was uh, nicely done. Uh, there's a lot to like about it. Visually, it's very interesting. I mean, it's all shot on a soundstage, but they have created two remarkably different environments. One is the kind of jungle, alien jungle that the Sevateam lives in. And the other is the ship that the Tesh live in. And the uh, the Tesh ship, I mean, it's clear they have only limited sets to use, but um, they use them very effectively, I thought. And the forest looks interesting. I mean, it does look alien. Uh, I refer to it at one point in my notes as the plastic piping forest, <laughs> because a lot of a lot of the p- trees or plants or whatever they are seem to be made out of plastic piping with, you know, that collapsible kind mm-hmm. <laughs> um, only only with additional dressing on it. Um, but they, they, they've got a bunch of, of interesting things. They like, one of the things they have is, uh, an animal called a horda. And at first we actually see a horda just crawling across the forest floor. We don't know what it is. It's just an animal. And then later it turns out, oh, that's what a horda is. (laughs) And, and so they put some thought into it. They're going above and beyond what they had to do. They didn't have to show us that initial Horda, mm-hmm. but it's a nice visual cue. Also, there are heavy influences of Forbidden Planet in this. Oh, yeah. Um with there are these invisible monsters that attack people and finally someone shoots one with a ray gun and so we can see its outline and it's the doctor's face and it's specifically said to be monsters from Zoanan's id uh so that's that's straight out of forbidden planet um and and Leela's nice. The uh, the the two competing groups have distinct personalities with their own interests. Like we we learn quite a bit about the politics of the Seva team, mm-hmm. and even about the Tesh. We get to like watch from interactions in private between members of the Tesh that they have their own culture with beneath the planet of the apes vibes going on. <laughs> um, and, and it, it like, there's one scene where the, the seven team are attacking the Tesh and this seven, this Tesh guy comes in to warn their leader and he's all excited. And, and this is like the seven team are attacking. What are we going to do? They've, they've done this and they've done that. Um, and, the leader dresses him down and says, you know, you're supposed to be intellectual and is is the great God Zoanan really going to take a to take unto himself into communion with himself? Someone who is a gibbering animal like you are right now. Calm down and give your report. And the guy calms down and says, the Sever team are attacking. They've done this and they've done that. What should we do? <laughs> Get a hold of yourself, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and it's uh it's it's fascinating to 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 you know to learn about these different cultures. So I I enjoyed it. I thought it's a nice episode. 
So for for me, the you know first time seeing it, and I enjoyed it. I heard some hints of you know what we're going to see in this in the you know in our previous discussions. Uh, so finally, I've got uh, all of Leela's time with the Doctor book ended. We just excuse me, we just did um, the episode where she departs. Um, now we're doing the one where she shows up, and it's kind of interesting to to see the the whole sweep of it. I really enjoy Leela. I mean, I mean, in addition to her being you know you know attractive attractive but, yeah but i think it's an interesting bookend with the doctor this idea of this you know primitive person with this extremely advanced person and yet there's this a connection there's a she's not as primitive as she, as she may seem he's mm-hmm. sometimes not as advanced as he claims to be <laughs> and i like that also they do something in this episode which is which is interesting because, you know, there's a tendency to play the doctor as the smartest man in the room, which, of course, he is. But um, but that can especially like in Matt Smith's time, that can make him arrogant and unapproachable. Mm-hmm. And Tom Baker is very much towards the alien weird side of things and they use Leela as the practical one to keep him grounded yep. so she periodically asks questions that need to be asked that have not occurred to the doctor because he's so abstract in his thought mm-hmm. that he's just he, he's he's not noticing everything that's important but Leela is noticing the practical things and so unlike a companion that um that simply exists to scream and ask plot related questions. She's actually doing more than that. She's helping keep the doctor grounded mm-hmm. and focusing his attention on things he needs to pay attention to. So she's actually performing more of a function. Yeah. Oh, that is also true. Yeah. Janice thorns are her nitro nine. Yep. It's <laughs> like no more Janice thorns ever. Well, there will Until be Janice the, Thorns. <laughs> Until the next time there's Janice Thorns. Yeah, right, right. She just keeps the supply in a pouch. Well, um, and we've, we've talked about this before when talking about Leela, but she really was brought in as kind of a Pygmalion character. You know, trying mm-hmm. that same idea of where the doctor is the professor trying to teach this this savage, lowly savage, how to be more. And there's, we'll get to like Towns Away in Chiang, where they explicitly put that out there, where they actually mm-hmm. put her in a Victorian dress. I mean. Right. And by the time she departs, she's she's living on Gallifrey. I mean, she yeah. really has has become Eliza Doolittle in that sense, where she's able to pass in in an advanced society. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, also, we should mention what since the listeners may not have seen the episode, we should mention what Janice thorns are. They are a large thorn, apparently growing on a tree or something, and they are poisonous. So if you stab someone with a Janus thorn, it will immediately paralyze them and eventually kill them. And there is no cure except the doctor makes one using some equipment at one point. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I found interesting about this is the idea of the doctor as a figure of evil. And this Mm -hmm. this occurs in New Who, you know, the Mm -hmm. the the the, was it Moffat had the uh, 11th doctor. Uh, yeah, the 11th Doctor as, you know, the Doctor and the Warrior. And it's a similar idea where he's feared as opposed to being beloved for the good things he does. And so the Doctor shows up and he's the face of evil. He is the evil one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I find that a, a fascinating because from our point of view, he's a good person. You know, he's quirky and he's funny, uh, but he's the hero. And yet there's these people who fear him. 
Yeah. And there's a question now. The reason they fear him is because he made a mistake when he was here before and it created their schizophrenic, multiple personality disorder, computer God, Mm -hmm. um, which then pitted them against each other. So Zoannan has been lying to both sides about its goals. Its real goal is to breed a race of Superman it can presumably use to go conquer with. And it's it's been manipulating both tribes to achieve that effect. But um, and as part of that, the doctor gets blamed. And also Zoannan is threatened by the doctor because he is but isn't the same personality as Zoannan, and that's threatening. Um, One of the questions that comes up is, so it's clearly the fourth doctor's face that's carved on the mountain. So it's not just the doctor has been here before, but the fourth doctor has been here before. And so when would that have happened? Well, there hypothetically, there are a number of places it could have happened. We, you know, in gaps between stories, they don't seamlessly blend into each other the way they did in the old days. Um, But the novelization makes what I think is a very interesting suggestion. If you'll recall, as soon as John Pertwee regenerates into Tom Baker, he is extra chaotic for Tom Baker because of the regeneration trauma. And he he goes into the TARDIS and is coming out of and he he has this dress up game Mm -hmm. where he's picking his new clothing Um, and he dresses up as all kind of crazy things. And at one point, if I remember correctly, he beams the TARDIS away. Um, And the suggestion made in the novelization is that's when he originally visited this planet. (laughs) <laughs> when he was still in his immediate fourth post regeneration trauma as the fourth doctor and and that would also help explain why he made such a remedial mistake mm-hmm. in dealing with the computer but it did lead to him having a reputation as the evil one and because they carved his face on a mountain everybody knows who, what he looks like so <laughs> so we have a very interesting scene when the doctor first meets Leela and we've got some audio of that because it's got some of my f- absolute favorite fourth doctor dialogue. Hello. Hello. Did I start with you? I won't hurt. The evil one. Well, nobody's perfect, but that's overstating it a little. No, I'm the doctor. What's your name? Leela. Leela. What's a nice name, Leela. I never met anyone called Leela. Would you like a jelly baby? It's true, then. They say the evil one eats babies. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. I mean, Leela just looks at his face and says, the evil one is, oh, well, no one's perfect, but that's overstating (laughs) it. I mean, that's a great line. That is a great line. I love the the video of that, too, because she's running away from one of the invisible creatures and falls and falls right at his feet. Now you see her, her spread out on the ground and his feet, his shoes right there. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and she looks up, of course, you know, Tom Baker was a very tall man to begin with. So, yeah. And they really she played to look that all up. the way up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then in characteristic fourth doctor style, although the second doctor introduced them, he offers her a jelly baby. And she says, it's true. The evil one eats babies, <laughs> which is another great line. Yeah. And it's it's rooted in what you would expect of him, because yep. he presumably offered jelly babies to people when he was there before. And 
And that led to this legend of the evil one eats babies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because uh, as I was watching him, like he did, did the doctor come out of order? Cause that's a, that's a, you know, why they have this memory of him that he doesn't have a memory of them. And that's one of the ways it happens is sometimes the doctor comes to places out of time, out of order. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he, he will come, come later. He comes to place, comes to places he hasn't been to yet. Exactly. Uh, but it turns out, like you said, that it's in fact, it's just he, did, he didn't recognize the place because it had changed so much in the intervening time period. I would, mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't explain how long it's been, but presumably generations of people well, and, have lived. There. And if, if the novelization is the, the is correct, I mean, he was in the middle of his regeneration madness anyways. So, yeah, it'd be understandable why he might not remember it at all. Exactly. Until yeah. later, and, you know, until it, it gets jogged. Yeah. And, it, it, and the doctor's memory is kind of wonky anyway. Um, he also may have spent most of his time on the ship before. And when right. it's, it's when he finally remembers is when they get to the Tesh place inside of his giant face and he sees the ship and he says, right. I remember so it's apparently the ship that was where, what his memories were focused around. Right. You know, it's interesting that the, uh, the, the, there is this, um, you know, subplot about eugenics uh, and, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it, but this was a big thing in the 70s was these, you know, the all knowing computer that manipulates humanity. I mean, you remember Logan's run and other, you know, 70s. Colossus 1980. <laughs> right. Uh, 70s sci-fi about, you know, human beings under the thumb of a computer that's making it perfection or managing life or that sort of thing. So I think it's interesting to see that come up here. Uh, that that was a, a theme at the time. There's also some really, and this is one of the things I like about this episode. There's some really creepy stuff. Once they, once Zoannan becomes a character, uh, they have this room, which is their main computer core. And it's basically got walls that are giant TV screens. Mm -hmm. And so they'll play either abstract imagery on the TV screens or Tom Baker's face will come up in, you know, a distorted version of Tom Baker's face will come up on the TV screens and, and it'll be yelling and chanting. And you've got the actual physical Tom Baker cowering on the floor with these three creepy Zoannan faces <laughs> shouting around him. And it's effectively creepy. Also, Zoannan has multiple voices. Now, the first time we hear Zoannan's voice, he's talking to Neva, who is the shaman or high priest of the Seva team. And and he's got a he's got a radio communications link with the computer, which is how uh, Zoannan sends instructions to the Seva team and arranges battles between them and the Tash. So uh, we hear his him talking to Neva and it's Tom Baker's voice. Mm -hmm. And it's clear if you know the show, it's Tom Baker's voice. And later, Tom Baker as the fourth doctor. Here's Zoannan speaking and it's his voice. And Leela says, that's your voice. Um, but then before they get to the spaceship, there's a mix where there's a where Zoannan is speaking, and in some words and phrases, it's Tom Baker's voice, and in some words and phrases, it's some other voice. It's another man's voice, but it's clearly not Tom Baker. It's a mix. And then when they get to the computer control room on the ship, 
there's a whole bunch of voices. And one of them is Tom Baker's, but there's also another man. There's a woman's voice. There, there are hints of maybe other voices. Mm-hmm. And, and so these represent the different personalities that Zoannan has manifested. There's even a 12 year old boy mm-hmm. um, who they give the exit line for episode three, where you've got uh, Tom, you've got the fourth doctor confronting Zoannan and and Tom Baker is saying, I'm the doctor and Tom Baker's creepy, distorted face giant is saying back, I am the doctor and he's going, I am the doctor. I am the doctor. And then finally, you get this little Tom Baker seems to win a point about I am the doctor, the physical Tom, Tom Baker. And then you hear this little 12 year old boy's voice going, then who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And it's creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the question is, so if one of these personalities is Tom Baker's and one of the voices is is Zoannan's normal personality, which we see restored at the end of episode four, Mm -hmm. who are these other voices? And there has been a suggestion made in light of the timeless children that like the Morbius doctors, these are not the images, but the voices of pre-William Hartnell doctors that when Zoannan, when the doctor grafted his personality onto onto Zoannan and he says the computer didn't take just parts of my mind like it was supposed to, it took everything that would explain in keeping with the with the Morbius doctors and the Timeless Children doctors that would explain where these other personalities are coming from. They were buried in the doctor's subconscious and Zoannan copied them. Yeah, you, know, you think about it, the 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 Time Lords have multiple personalities like that's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. a disorder for them. That's a natural state, apparently. Uh, and yet when you copy that out and impose it on this another entity, this machine, it comes out as a multiple personality disorder. So, it's, yeah, I could see that being an interesting explanation. There are at least four, five other, four other uh, voices. Four voices. Mm-hmm. Four voices, yeah. And, I mean, that, that's that's a huge retcon, obviously. You know, they, there's well, no yeah. hint of the Timeless Child. You know, the Morbius doctors, you know, they really didn't explain them very much at this time. But, you know, it, it did show effectively how fractured the personality of Zoannan was. I mean, how how much damage the doctor had done to Zoan and not recognizing what was going on. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it very creepily. I mean, yeah, that was very creepy where at that end of the, the third where it's who am I, you know, repeated between Tom Baker's voice and the little child's voice. And you see Tom Baker's, you know, face there yelling it at the <laughs> doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very creepy. With a 12 year old boy voice. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. Back again, back and forth. It was, it was, that was, that was a very effective uh, end of an episode. Uh, I I also like how the voices have a conversation going on with each other and they don't all agree about everything. So Tom Baker will be explaining something and one of the voices will be saying, shh, shh, let him finish. Let him finish. This is the good part. (laughs) (laughs) And they're having a parallel discussion about whether or not to let the doctor continue talking to them. Mm. One thing that's interesting was, you know, kind of, of course, the Tesh worships Zoannan as a god, as the Seventeen do. 
And there's a lot of, you know, religious context of, you know, the holy, asking where the holy of holies was. Well, our holiness is all around, you know, kind of something you hear people in the church today say, well, holiness is all around us. We don't need to go to church. Well, that, that's another argument for another day. But um, then they had, you know, the computer control room they called the Sacred Heart. Yeah. Which, of course, yeah. is a name for us and you know, as Catholics is very uh, important because it's the, the heart of Jesus. Uh, as a matter of fact, my church here in Cascade is Sacred Heart Church, but so it's kind of yeah. keyed in on it's, that. It's not a computer control room. It's not a computer <laughs> control room. There's not much of anything computer controlled in that that building. But um, but you know, again, it shows that you know that was the heart of of Zoanin, and you know, it was the the holy holy is a place you don't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also a gesture that the Seva team have where they touch their foreheads and then they touch their right shoulder and then they touch a spot slightly lower than that. And it looks like a kind of futuristic alien version of crossing yourself. Mm -hmm. And they use it like crossing yourself as a way of the Seva team do it when they want to bless themselves, when they may encounter danger or something. Mm -hmm. And um, and the doctor identifies it as also the procedure for checking the valves on a type seven something or other spacesuit. Right. Right. It's a a gesture of of a, a, you know, a a ritual, a technical ritual that has become a religious ritual because it's as it got divorced from the reality of the suit itself which is interesting because it's a sort of an anthropological look at how a religious you know rituals arise that sort of thing yeah they also and there are also uh chariots of the gods vibes in this you know yeah. the ancient 1970s equivalent of ancient astronauts where there is all kind of speculation from eric von daniken about um aliens having interfered in primitive human society and they've got a, a and oh look at this art we could imagine that that's an alien wearing a spacesuit or a deity mm-hmm. um you know and and they've got like a sacred spacesuit that's part of the vestments for neva um yeah. or parts of the spacesuit anyway not the whole thing mm-hmm. and um so it's also playing into these chariots of the gods vibes which incidentally that that whole a- ancient astronauts theory was supported by Soviet propaganda at the time (laughs) as a way of trying to undermine religion in the West. So uh, the doctor, speaking of which, the doctor overhears, he and Lila overhear Neva praying to Zoanin. And the doctor says, I had the distinct feeling, this is before they know that, you know, have heard the voice of Zoanin and that sort of thing. I had a feeling that Neva was actually expecting to hear an answer to his prayer. And Lila, quite logically, uh, says there wouldn't be much point in praying if he didn't. (laughs) <laughs> and the doctor and then the doctor says, I could quote you a few theologians who'd give you an argument on that, yeah. which is an interesting response. What, like, so is is he saying that the that there are these are these modern theologians who you know kind of give up on the idea of of the miraculous God, resp- you know, the miracle of God responding to people? You know, go it, back to you wouldn't even have to go back to modern uh, theologians. You can go back to some of the great spiritual masters. Yeah. Who say, you know, God's not going to respond to you all the time. You might never get response and you know you know when we do get that that support from god when we do get the whether it is through emotional or through you know interlocution or something like that that's a great grace but that's Mm -hmm. also not common shouldn't be expected yeah and and even if and when you're praying you shouldn't always be looking for something Mm -hmm. um including an answer 
Uh, you you should also it's spiritually healthy if God is now on a Christian view, God is infinite goodness. Well, you should respond to that. Yeah. You should you should worship God. That's and not be expecting an answer. You should recognize the value of infinite goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a big deal. Mm. And sh- should mention for Garth Brooks fans, there is no such thing as unanswered prayers. Now, how God answers is very rarely direct, but he does answer. And sometimes the answer is not yet. So yeah. or fl- or just no, that's not no. good for you. <laughs> yes, that's plenty of that. Um, so uh, Neva is an interesting character. So he's the, the shaman, the witch doctor of the Savatim. And he starts off as as a purely just he's a bad guy. You know, he's the antagonist mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of goes through a few shades of gray until the end. I mean, he he's not doing things for good, but he is, in fact, the the agent or tool of the resolution. You know, he's actually part of the solution. He has a redemption arc. Um, It eventually becomes clear to him that that Zoannan is not what he has been led to believe. So he feels personally betrayed and he goes through this period where he's kind of catatonic and um, and the. The doctor is talking to him and even imitating the Zoannan voice, you know, by making his own voice sound very impressive and cupping his hands to his mouth. And Neva is basically minimally responding and just saying Mm -hmm. yes to everything, you know. And I like the line Leela says, what happened to him? And the doctor says, too much, too soon. (laughs) <laughs> right. And, and then later, the doctor is in the Tesh spaceship and he's talking over the radio link to uh, to Neva, who he needs to do something. And he's saying, Neva, I am. It is Zoannan. I need you to do this thing for me. Do my will. And Neva says, yes, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor says, I underestimated that man. And and then by the end of it, he's become consumed with hatred for Zoannan. And he's got a big Tesh mass disruptor, big gun that he's going to shoot into the computer core. And at the same moment that he does that, um, Zoannan zaps him with lightning and he vanishes. He disintegrates. Right. But he's got a redemption arc and he's funk, even though he's crazy, he's a good guy at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's kind of a different redemption arc because he really goes nuts. I mean, he, he just he's yeah. like you said, he, he's so consumed by anger that he actually goes nuts. And that's what causes him to not be controlled by Zwanin at that mm-hmm. point. And so he's able by shooting the door to the computer room, it distracts Zwanin long enough that the doctor can finish his little mind mind wiping thing mind racing mm. thing and saw it save the day. There's an interesting part at the very beginning of the episode where the, uh, the doctor first shows up and he steps mm-hmm. out of the TARDIS. Uh, he's expecting, I think what Hyde park or Mayfair mm-hmm. or something. Hyde and, park. Yeah. And um, he talks directly to the camera mm-hmm. for a, a period of time, presumably because there's no companion for yeah. the doctor to, uh, to, to, you know, uh, do an info dump on, but uh, I think it's an interesting technique that they used here. It was a, this was a sensitive issue um, because when Elizabeth Sladen left as Sarah Jane Smith, Tom Baker did not want a replacement companion. 
Um, he, he wanted to adventure without one. He floated the idea of having a talking cabbage that could sit on his shoulder that he could talk to <laughs> if needed. Um, and he did not want Louise Jameson coming in as, as the new companion. And they actually had two versions of the end of this. I don't know if they shot both of them, but in one of them, Leela goes with the doctor and in one of them, the doctor goes off by himself. Um, so now, for all I know, they may have always intended Louise Jones to be the new companion as Leela, and they were just humoring Tom Baker by by suggesting otherwise. But he really did not like having a new companion, and he was actually cruel to Louise Jameson off, off camera. Uh, mm. But they've since patched things up, which is great, and they now do audio adventures together. Good. Nice. Yeah. It, it's it was interesting because basically they break the fourth wall, but it's it's presented in a way he's kind of just talking to himself and just happens to be looking at the camera. Right. And and that's like a he, I kind of get the feel that that scene is an indulgence to mm -hmm. Tom Baker. It's like, well, let me try it. Let me show you how I could communicate information to the audience without a companion. Which mm -hmm. um, I'm glad they didn't do that as a running course. It was yeah. it was it was a cute gag for one episode but not something yeah. you want to see every serial or every you know couple episodes or so yeah yeah also before so we should talk about what's happening with leela before she meets the doctor she's getting kicked out of the tribe they're yes. voting her off the island <laughs> and yeah. because she has there neva has announced a we don't see this but neva has announced a new attack on the on the Tash and that Zoanan has commanded and and Leela points out correctly, this is going to be suicide if we do this. We're gonna have a lot of people die for no reason. And we shouldn't attack. And she also doubts the existence of Zoanan because she doesn't hear him. Neva hears him. Blasphemy. And and, mm -hmm. and so they 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 end up kicking her out of the tribe and they really should think more carefully about this, because if you study the composition of their tribe, there's like <laughs> there's a whole bunch of guys and there's Leela and one other woman. Yeah. Right. So you don't want to reduce your females by 50 percent and have <laughs> way more guys than women. Um, that's bad for long-term survival. If you had to go, if you want to, if you're going to have one sex that you have disproportionately many of for survival purposes, it ought to be the women mm -hmm. because yes. one man can have many wives and you can have plenty of children, but women can only have one child at a time. Right. And so <laughs> if, if there's got to be an imbalance, you want to have the imbalance go the other way. Well, uh, I think it's interesting how her father, you know, who is just right there in that first scene, you know, is th there's a test that they can be put through the test of the hoarder, which we will actually the doctor go through. But he volunteers to yep. go through it himself, even though it's a it's a near certainty that he will die um, mm -hmm. right. regardless. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting little bit of character note that they've added well, to mm -hmm. Leela right at, th at the beginning. Well, and of course, she's proven correct because the whole purpose of these attacks set up by Zoanan is mm -hmm. to cull the Sevateen. You know, that's yes. part of his genetic manipulation of them is to kill the weakest ones in these attacks and the strong will survive and the traits he <laughs> wants to, to right. continue will continue. Improve the breed. I, 
I have to say that this is one part of the show, the the battle that we see is one part of the show that has less effective uh, direction because what we – I don't have a clear sense of where things are in relation to each other. Mm-hmm. We never, we never see what they're attacking. We see them. We see the seventeen warriors running towards the camera, yelling "attack," but we don't see what they're attacking. And then we see a beam of light shining on some of them and stunning or killing them. And it's not clear what's attacking them. It's just a beam of light. Where is it coming from? Who is manipulating it? And they even say we never when they get back, they say we never even saw the Tash. And it's like, okay, so what were you attacking? Were you it it's it is not clearly done. I think the problem is they've you know spent all their money on on the environments mm-hmm. and and they don't have the budget to really build a giant mountain with Tom Baker's face on it. But I think that's what we're meant to understand. The Seva team is attacking, and and they can't actually show that since they only have a miniature right. of the mountain with the face. But that's the best I can figure out what they're attacking. It seems to be yeah. at that location, but things are not things are not well directed at this point. So I think that's I think that is a flaw in this episode. Yeah. They um you know that supposedly, you know, there's that time barrier that we see very briefly where where Tom Baker shows Leela it and says, you know, this is this is, you know, they're you know a second ahead or whatever it was, you know, it's one of those where it's like a time offset barrier, but there's there's supposed to be a bridge that opens up and that's what they're going going towards. But like you said, they probably didn't have the special effects budget to actually show you know, this barrier with an opening in it that they're rushing towards. And, you know, the whole point of the battle is to cull both sides, right? To improve the mm-hmm. breeding of both sides. But if there's no Tesh there, I'm not sure how that, how that, uh, you know, is effective, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. The Horda test also, I thought was a little weak. Uh, basically, they've got this animal called a Horda that will, um, you know, Strip it's like a cybermat from... with giant jaws. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in in my notes when we saw it the first time, I called it a a giant land louse. Yeah, um, I called it a sand piranha. <laughs> yeah. But it it they will swarm and pick the a swarm of them can pick the flesh off your bones really quickly, and so they've got a big pit full of horda. And horda apparently, like sheep and fish, is a noun that can either be singular or plural. Um and they make you stand on this rock covering to the Horda pit and it's cut in segments and then they pull a lever and the segments start to come apart. And once they come fully apart, you'll fall into the Horda pit and die. But they also have a boulder being lowered on a vine and they give you a crossbow. And apparently if you shoot, the 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 vine and break it it will drop cause the boulder to drop and that will somehow save you from being eaten by the horda and i i, I think the boulder's a counterweight for the yep. for whatever's opening the the I, I, that's my there. sense yeah. so it'll my guess is that it'll stop the 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 parts of the stone covering from going any further apart yeah 
And so you won't fall and then you can just get down having passed the test. Uh, but they don't explain it clearly enough. No. And so that's a weakness in the writing. Um, also, these are marksmen. This is a tribe that depends on hunting. Lots of people ought to pass the Horda test. <laughs> Lots of people ought to be able to shoot that vine and cause the boulder to fall. Yeah. So um, it shouldn't be the automatic death sentence that it is if you've got it set up this way. Also, notice look- notice that the Sevatim have metallurgy because they're all using met- crossbows with metal crossbeams and stuff. Yeah. Leela does tell the doctor before that, you know, wait till the, the, the line gets thinner as it goes up. So if you if you shoot too soon, it might not sever the the whole vine. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's sort of this balance you're striking between how far open you're willing to let it go before you shoot it, which is an interesting uh, concept. But you're right. They didn't explain it very well. Um, I, I did like the fact that, you know, that the doctor, they decide to put the doctor through this trial as the evil one. Um, and they kind of give him this, you know, the, the, the whole, um, uh, witch drowning thing, the whole mm-hmm. idea yep. of, you know, if, if he's a God, he can't be th- killed. So let's throw him in the pit of the Horda. If he dies, then he's not a God and yeah. he passes and he does. He's, and he's not, a and he's not the evil one. Uh, he's does dead, he weigh the same as a duck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She turned me into a newt. Um, so if, of course he passes the test and says, uh, the whole reason he was he's able to shoot so well is because he learned from William Dell, uh, the, the the famed Swiss uh, bowman. Yeah. So he makes an overture to history there. <laughs> oh. There you go, overture. <laughs> uh, also in that scene, I like the fact that um, this, this some some dude in the tribes uh, slaps Leela, and so the doctor casually flips a horda at him, so it yeah, chomps it down bite, on his shoulder, bites him yeah. on the shoulder, and he runs off. <laughs> that that was a nice nice touch. Um, that another funny moment was when they Leela is the one who figures out that the way into the Tesh, uh, zone, the, the ship is to go through the, the, face. the face of the evil one. But she's like, so up his nose, <laughs> the yeah. is very offended <laughs> at the idea that one would be able to crawl up the nose. It is not through, that large <laughs> through the teeth and through, through the lips and over the teeth. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, one thing I noticed is Leela does spend an awful lot of the time of these four episodes being carried around unconscious. Did you notice that? Like she's, she gets knocked out and paralyzed and various it's other a things. Bit, a bit. A bit. Um, the definitely tech- has lots of her own agency though, especially when, once they're yeah. on the, the Tesh ship and she's basically going around picking them off with the <laughs> disruptor guns. That That's a nice thing that they establish here that, Leela is the muscle with, when she's with the doctor. Mm-hmm. She's uh, and that that will be true throughout her run. She is an early version of Ace. Yeah. Yeah. She she you know, she's got Janice Thorns instead of Nitro nine, but she's going to protect the doctor, even if it means killing people. Right. And she she's like a knife <laughs> earlier, more violent version of Ace. <laughs> well, they, they even they even said that, you know, like with the, the eugenics that the the. Zoanna was doing that. The seventeen was was being bred for the strength and the agility and yeah, mm-hmm. um, reason. You know, not not intellect per se, but the ability to uh, to be crafty, to be clever right. in battle. And the uh, the te- the techs, the tesh, were being bred for uh, first of all the the mental control, the paraprojection, but also for intellect, right, and self control. So. Um... The 
the Tesh, when the, when the doctor first shows up, the captain of the Tesh, the leader, um, is, is refers to the doctor as the Lord of time come to save them. Uh, as the prophecy foretold uh, yeah. until he tries to stop them from disintegrating Leela. And then obviously he must be the evil one, but uh, it, it was an interesting idea that they had this prophecy of the Lord of time coming to save them. And so, you know, I try, I'm trying to imagine, you know, what happened after the doctor left the first time things must've started going wrong. And the, the Tesh would have said, well, the doctor will return. Hopefully, hopefully the time Lord will return and fix this. Um, and, that was the, you know, the prophecy probably, probably said something to the extent of, well, I'll be back to check up on you guys someday as <laughs> right. he got in the TARDIS, you know, as, as the doctor occasionally does. I'll probably be back again someday. Yes. It almost never is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, one of the things we could say was that the, 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 when the doctor showed up the first time, it wasn't just as the ship had landed. It was some generations. I think he says before, like they had been maintaining the computer and it had become self-aware and that's when he had to fix it. So things they'd already been on the planet for some time when he showed up, I guess. Well, um, I didn't get the impression that it was some time. I got the impression it was shortly after. Oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I had kind of the same impression. Cause they, they okay. showed when the, the ship went into, you know, emergency lighting, how that happened right at the time of landing. And, and that's, right. and the, what caused that emergency was the computer going and getting its kind of self-awareness. Okay, I'm trying to think of what I, I I had this note and now I don't remember where exactly I got it from. But okay, um, it wasn't it wasn't really spelled out very explicitly by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean it, it's something you had to kind of piece. At least I the way I pieced it together was, if not as the ship was landing, it was shortly after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some th- some moment where he talked about them maintaining it for generations. I m- I might have uh, misunderstood. And that's but, that's the. Yeah after yeah oh i remembered what i was going to say it has to do with why they were going to dissect or disintegrate disintegrate (laughs) leela they they call it particle analysis and the the tesh leader explains it to the doctor he assumes that the doctor has brought them leela for this purpose because the seva team have the ability at times to get through the barrier and make war on the Tesh. And so they want to essentially dissect Leela to find out how are they able to do that. Mm -hmm. And the doctor says, no, you don't understand. It's they're not getting through the barrier. Zoannan is lowering it Mm -hmm. to, to bring on these battles. And that is blasphemy to the Tesh leader because Zoannan is their good god. He's 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 on their side. He's not lowering the barrier to let the Seva team in, in his view. Right. Meanwhile, the Seva team also they worship Zoannan, but they believe he's being held hostage by the evil one. And so the idea for the Seva team is we're going to go into the Tesha's area and rescue our god. Right. Uh, by the way, uh, as um the doctor and Leela escape from the particle analysis machine. Um, he quotes, oh. uh, be thankful you're living and trust to your luck and rush to your front like a soldier, which he some, for some reason, misattributes to Gertrude Stein. That's mm. Rudyard Kipling, the young British soldier, huh. but just kind of, it fun. does sound much more like Rudyard Kipling than, than Gertrude Stein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of an odd mistake to make. 
so the way they get out of the uh, eventually they strap him into the particle analysis machine too and it's mm-hmm. essentially a no mr bond i expect you to die death trap <laughs> you know they they've they're strapped on these tables and they have um they have a laser beam that's going to carve them up into their individual particles i guess and the doctor tells Leela to close her eyes and then he has a hand mirror and he when when the part when the laser goes to zap his right hand which is manacled above his head he uses the hand laser to reflect the hand mirror to reflect the laser and destroy the machine he is so lucky it went for his right hand <laughs> yeah. first of all of the parts of both of their bodies. It just yeah. happened to choose the doctor's right hand first. I thought the same thing. It's a good thing it didn't yep. start with Leela. Poor Leela. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he woke up in time to actually use it. Yes, the other exactly. <laughs> so after the doctor manages to uh, to recover the, the, the AI and, and, you know, take his personality out of it, um, the the. AI itself admits it made its madness into reality by turning them against themselves. You know, that, that idea. Um, and, um, well, I guess that's it. I mean, that's just the, the resolution of it. It was, yeah. I'm not sure where we, I was going with that. But, we we uh, do have yeah. a scene with, with Zoanne and at the end where all the creepy imagery is off the walls of the TV screens and the computer core. Yeah. There's now a nice softer glow. Um, it's, it's talking to the doctor and Leela and being very polite and very mild and very reasonable and very apologetic. Right. It materializes a couch for them to sit on and, (laughs) um, and invites them to sit and it's got a little end table by the couch and the doctor picks up a cigarette case and it's filled full of jelly babies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He pulls one out and he taps it like he's tapping a cigarette. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. Is Leela the first companion to trick herself, you know, hit trick to trick the doctor into getting herself as a companion well, on the TARDIS? Ian and Barbara. Oh, I suppose they sort All of. Back well, the beginning. He sort of kidnapped them, though. Yeah. Yeah. But they still tricked him, tricked his, their way onto the TARDIS. I mean, they didn't trick their the way TARDIS. in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's what's his name in the fifth doctor sign that we've been talking about the uh, the Black Guardian. Um, Turlow. 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 He kind of tricks the doctor into taking him along but the doctor still invites him aboard yeah um, but Leela just rushes on board and takes off <laughs> yeah we have we haven't gotten here yet but tegan will do the same thing tegan yep. will get on the tardis not realizing what it is the doctor will not realize she's there and she ends up an accidental traveler yeah. um i don't well, we did that one yeah yeah, yeah we did well no for generation it we haven't reached it in tom baker's timeline right. yet okay because she comes after Leela. I get you. Yep. Um, I'd have to think my way through the list of companions, but I Leela may be the first to, against the doctor's will, barge on and become a companion. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, that was that was amusing. Um, which maybe they did that on purpose, given Tom Baker's attitude towards uh, Louise Jameson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. So, uh, final thoughts, Father Corey. So did you recognize Caleb Dom? Caleb. Oh, now you got me. So. Made by or played by Leslie Schofield. He was General Bast in the original Star Wars movie. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Yep. He did, he did look familiar, but yeah. Okay. 
He's nice. he's one of those actors that shows up quite a bit, and you know, another one of those common British secondary actors. There were a lot of Star Wars generals of the time who show up on yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Star Wars Imperial officers who show up in Doctor Who at this this around this time period. Uh, that was good. I also they noticed were that, making Star Wars at this time, right? Yeah. I also noticed that the uh, the leader of the tribe's name was Andor, yeah. <laughs> which which is kind of funny. Uh, speaking of names. Weird coincidence. I, I assume that has nothing to do with Star Wars, though. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just to give him a manly name. So, yes, yep. um, there is a company called Neva, a startup, a, a search engine startup that just shut down this past week. And so I had oh, yeah. the article uh, with the, talking about Neva shutting down on my because, you know, for secrets of technology on my screen while it's playing. And I'm like, wait, did they say Neva? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's spelled the same way in everything. I I, yeah. I wonder if they're Doctor Who fans or something. It's kind of a weird uh, idea because he was sort of accessing the ultimate search engine, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just kind of a funny coincidence. With the names, now I don't know where Neva comes from and or is, has, has related to Greek roots that mm-hmm. would mean a man. Um, Tomas is clearly Thomas. Mm. Caleb is clearly Caleb, which is the Hebrew word for dog. Um, and uh, they and then they have, I gather, the leader of the of of the uh, of the Tesh is named Jabel, um, which also has Hebrew roots. Uh, and then there's one of the other Tesh is named Gentech. And that sounds like a biotech startup company. Yeah. But I'm, 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 it, it, I'm guessing it's meant to be derived from something like genetic technology or something like right. that. Gentech. Or his position on the ship, general technician. Yeah, yeah. general technician. It could be that. Yeah. 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 Now, now, Leela's name, I, I, I have a feeling that's kind of a wink to the Pygmalion because the, 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 the street urchin in Pygmalion was Eliza. Yes, mm-hmm. Eliza, Leela. So that's yeah. very easy to make that shift between Eliza and, and Leela. I wonder if Leela in um, the animated show. Futurama. Futurama. I wonder if that's inspired at all by this. It, kind of funny. Yeah. Could be. Uh, any other th- other notes, Father Corey? Nope. How about you, Jimmy? They have a litany that uh, Neva leads only, you know, so there are interesting religious themes in this, but Mm -hmm. they at one point Neva is leading a litany that isn't a litany. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a sacred story with responses. That is not the same thing as a litany. A litany is a list of things that you are reciting, like the 99 names of God or here are all of these saints or here are all of these titles of Mary. It's, it's a list and they don't, they, this is not a list. This is just a sacred story that people are occasionally saying, kill the Tash during. Yeah. It's closer to the uh, passion story of our Lord that we do Good Friday and Palm Sunday. We don't have any good stories where we just, we chant kill the Tash or the similar in our. Yeah. It's a little more, little, little more violent religion. (laughs) <laughs> it is it is i don't know people seem to enjoy crucify him crucify him <laughs> on sunday especially the kids they get they get into that uh, really so, okay it, yes <laughs> it's the the acting face of uh of it. Yep. crucify him um 
All right. So if that's all we have for this time, I want to get to our listener feedback. And this feedback came in via email from Jack, who writes, I've recently discovered SQPN. Welcome, Jack. And have been listening to your Secrets of series as a compendium to my daily Doctor Who viewing. Kudos. Mm -hmm. I have a knot in my brain that I'd hope that y'all would have addressed but did not. If Rory, as a robot, has lived for 2,000 years while guarding Amy, why would he grow old with Amy and die after a typical lifespan when sent back in time by the Weeping Angels? Because he ain't a robot no more. Nope. Mm -hmm. He was he was a robot in one timeline leading up to the Big Bang. And when they rebooted the universe, Rory became a human again. Right. It changed the timeline back so that he would never become an auton. The auton in that in that new timeline. Yes. I'm pretty sure we we mentioned it, but if we didn't, uh, maybe it went by quick. But uh, or maybe it could have been clearer. Yes, yeah. yes. Just, just remember, Doctor Who, there's always wibbly wobbly timey wimey. So, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I missed that the first time I watched that. Uh, the, I have to say, that episode, The Big Bang, was pretty confusing and for yeah. me the first time I watched it. So, uh, it's not surprising that that would go by quick. I remember in the past having a question about, so is Rory a robot now? In, in my mind, too. Yeah, but um, but I, the um, the explanation is he's not because of the Big Bang. Right. All right. Well, and thank you, Jack, for the feedback. We hope you continue to enjoy the secrets of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, but as we yes. wrap things up, I'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Anthony W., Caleb L., Caleb, that's that's your episode. Trees yep. G, uh, Chisidi, uh, Chisidi E, I hope I said that right, Chisidi, and Chris K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. What did you think of The Face of Evil? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit our StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can watch The Secrets of Doctor Who in video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia where you should leave a comment subscribe to the channel and of course make sure to hit the bell we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 12th doctor story the woman who lived until then jimmy yakin thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of doctor who thanks tom father cory stika thank you as well thank you dom and once again i'm dom bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of doctor who on star quest and remember answers are easy it's asking the right questions that's hard (laughs) 